I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a bonus episode of the Celtics Pod. I'm joined by a returning guest, the owner of everything Celtics Blog. Needs no introduction. The blog father, Mr. Jeff Clark. How you doing, Jeff? How you doing, Adam? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a it's super warm here. I don't know if you've been listening recently, but we've been having like a a nightmare heat wave. Like a computer melted, and I'm melting. So uh, I'm just trying to fight through it, man. How about you? Is it warm where you are? Yeah, it's pretty warm, but uh, the air, air conditioning is working so far. Knock on wood. Um, but uh, yeah, we're trying to trying to keep cool. I'm jealous. We don't get air conditioning. This is this is where the, <laughs> this is the downside, right? We're like, <laughs> we're it's an American to, in, uh, renovation or, or innovation. Yeah, they're gonna need to. Here. They're gonna need to realize that we're no longer a cold country all the time, and they need to give <laughs> us all the air conditioning. So usually, I, I just talk junk for about ten minutes. But we've got, <laughs> I said to, I promised you thirty minutes in and out, so I'm gonna skip the ten minutes of junk, much to the listeners' pleasure. Jump straight into it. It was a super cool um, end. Well, no, it was a terrible ending to the season, but it was a really good turnaround, a great playoff run. And obviously you're tweeting through it, but sometimes it's hard to know who's behind that Twitter account because (laughs) it's run by Celtics bug staff, right? So sometimes it's like, did Jeff tweet that? Or was it Bill? Or was it someone else? So Chances are, if it was a dad joke, it was probably me. (laughs) There's a few dads on the the channel now, though. There's uh, you, Keith, me, Bill. There's... There's a growing number of dads, so we can't always credit. So with that said, how did you feel about the way the, the team played up until the finals and then how it kind of fell apart in the finals? I mean, it's bittersweet, right? I mean, it's how we all we all felt about it. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, as things were playing out early in the season, it was like, man, if we could, maybe we should start tanking. Maybe we should start, uh, you know, selling off our, our players for draft picks or whatever. And then, you know, for the way the regular season to end the way it did and for the, the playoffs um, to play out through, you know, we've, we've been to the Eastern Conference finals a few times, but, you know, breaking through and getting to the finals was, was you know, something to be proud of. And, and you know, I even wrote about that just after the, the finals ended. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, everyone wants to count the rings and count the championship banners and everything else is considered a, a quote unquote loss. But, you know, there's there's a there's a silver lining to, to take from it too, is the fact that they, these, this young group pulled themselves together and, and did better than, you know, 28 other teams out there. And, you know, I, I think that's, you know, a, a ton of great um, stuff to, to build upon and then just look at where we're, we're sitting now looking ahead to next season. Um, you know, we've got, you know, a team, a young team with a, a, a fantastic core that now doesn't have the same questions that it had, you know, 10 months ago. It doesn't have the same, it, it's got much more, you know, experience and it, it has shown that it can get to the finals. Um, there is no guarantee you're getting back there. You know, you're going to have to still go through Giannis and um, Embiid and, and whoever else is um, coming back in the East next year. Um, but, you know, they have as good a shot as any. And, the, and I think the, the Vegas odds are, are, are showing that. Now, um, you know, we, we can, yes, c- certainly it was disappointing the way it ended. Um, 
at, at some point you got to tip your cap to to you know Steph and, and company out there in Golden State. They did. They won the the championship just as much as the Celtics lost it. Um, but you know, Jason Tatum, um, the rest of the Celtics, they they have they they didn't come up well. They didn't come up strong in the, in the finals and that's a learning experience and it's something that they're going it's going to have to drive them it's going to have to you know motivate them you know every every player that's that's come before that all the greats that um, have has succeeded can usually point to a point in their career where you know they got smacked in the face and, and they had to you know, step up you know, even the greats like kobe bryant and, and lebron james and uh, right down the list, there's there's moments of failure that 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 led them to, you know, find that inner resolve to go even further and to push themselves even further. So that's what I'm hoping for with with at least Jason Tatum, but you know, anyone on the Celtics that that didn't perform as well as they should have, Jalen Brown as well. I mean, Jalen had a actually a pretty solid uh, series, but it's that turnover issue that that he came up with. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm rambling here off a pretty simple question, but uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts. That's good. That's good. Keep them coming. Uh, Jalen Brown, I'll give him his credit. He had a bit of a strong end to the regular season and finally got his assist to turnover ratio just below one for one. So we're trending in the right. I mean, we're in the hundreds here. So, you know, it's, it's slow. It's a very marginal trend, but it's trending. How do you feel? And this is, I've seen this more and more over the last week, really, especially on like YouTube when you're watching ESPN snippets or, and obviously they're paid to say inflammatory things because that's what makes them get shared and spoke about. But a lot of the, the rhetoric at the moment is Boston and you, and I've, even Zach Lowe said it and Zach Lowe never says inflammatory things. So I believe, but you beat a Milwaukee Bucks team missing Chris Middleton. Yeah. Miami Heat lose Tyler Hero for multiple games. Cole Lowry's not himself. Jimmy Butler gets hurt. Do you even see it being a clear path? And I know that every team that wins a championship and makes the finals, you have injury luck along the way. You're the healthier team. It's it's an accepted kind of part of the game. But do you think Boston have what it takes to get back to the finals if they come up against those teams at full strength next year? Yeah, I mean that's always part of the discussion. Um, you know, if there's a healthy Middleton, does it? Do we even have this conversation? And I've I've heard that refrain, you know, dozens of times at this point. Um, you know, yes and no. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, the, the, what happened happened, and certainly the Celtics have been on the on the the downside of that that equation in the past, where they were perhaps the better team and and got and got beat, be, perhaps based on some injury luck. Um, you know, don't forget too that you know some of our guys weren't full full strength, and you can point to you know Robert Williams being in and out of the the lineup throughout the playoffs too. Um, also, factor in the fact that the the Celtics had to push so hard to, because they were down so hard down down so far in the standings early in the season. So Tatum was legit wiped out by the end. So you can play that game all day long. Um, you are what your record says you are, as the, as the you know Bill Parcells would say, but um, you know, and that, and that's why I say you know nothing's guaranteed. There's a certainly a, a good comp, a good set of um, competitive teams out there in the East that are going to challenge the Celtics with a with a bullseye around them, and you know, but but here's the thing, like you know, you can say that, but you can still have confidence in the Celtics to get back to that position. Um, 
you know, I don't think the Celtics are a, you know, I would, I would say that the, the, the Hawks last year, the previous year were kind of a, I don't want to say fake Eastern conference finals team, but like, it's like one of those, you know, is that sustainable? And, you know, obviously it wasn't, you know, with that, the mix of, of, of guys, um, I don't think the Celtics are going to have a similar, um, you know, finals hangover of, of that sort. Um, but it's certainly possible. We learned in, you know, 2018, 2019 that, you know, too much talent can, can be a problem just as much as not enough talent. Uh, and here we are, we asked, we added Malcolm Brogdon to, a, you know, a backcourt that already includes, you know, Marcus Smart and Derek White. So is that too many cooks in the kitchen or, you know, is everybody going to embrace their role? I think they will. Um, I don't think that there's the, the, the Mook Morris on, on the team this year. I don't think there's a, uh, Terry Rozier on the team this year and not that it's necessarily those guys faults, but, you know, Tatum and Brown are, are that much older. They're, they're much more experienced and they know, you know, that now they're in the position of being the veteran. Um, and so, I don't know, uh, again, I feel like I'm rambling, but it, it, it's, I have a great deal of confidence in this team and, you know, it's, it's more than just, Hey, they made the finals last year. Of course they will again. There's, there's an inner resolve that, that, that we saw from this team that, that in the last year or so. And I think a lot of that comes from Ime. And, and Yudoka is just going to, um, you know, bring that no-nonsense, holding you accountable um, yeah, attitude into next year. And here's the thing, too, is that the team not only is hearing the um, – the, the message that, that Ime is, is preaching, but they have seen that it works. They have seen that, that the results of buying into that um, philosophy and, and buying into whatever he's selling. And now they just have to apply that earlier in the season and, you know, take it throughout the playoffs and get some, get some luck, get some, some more injury luck and, and, and hope that if there are injuries, it's not, it's not to our guys. <laughs> That's uh, it's always the worst thing to wish for, but it's true. No, I, and I, I am not wishing for risk injuries at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's going to be bad luck, yeah, you want it to go to the other side, of course. You mentioned Terry Rozier and Mook saying, like, you know, not that it's their fault, but what happened back then. But there's a similarity to be drawn, and it's different but similar in the times that Terry Rozier was very disgruntled in his role. He'd really excelled in a playoff run as a starter then went back to the bench, felt that he deserved more of um, an on-ball role when he was on the floor and he deserved more minutes. And now you look at Jaden Brown and he could potentially be that disgruntled guy this year for completely different reasoning. And nobody knows how he feels. Like, you know, it's not for us to, and I've said this on multiple episodes now, it's not for us to say how he feels, but to at least be like, well, if he's disgruntled, that could be the problem, right? He could be, the guy within that rotation that could sure. start to form the cracks because he might feel he might be a little bit more distant from everybody or he might be a bit more abrasive with with the coaching staff or whatever. And we, what I was building up to with the last question, like with the struggles and everything, was where do you land on the Kevin Durant trade? And then this Jalen Brown thing can kind of be your secondary kind of part to answer. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question and a good thought process to go through. Um, Obviously, and I'm, you know, 
not to pick on your your analogy, there's no perfect analogies. Every single situation is different. Every single person is is going to handle situations differently. Um, you know, Jalen Brown is not Terry Rozier. Uh, They're not in the same situation. Obviously, Rozier was a, a young guy on a team that that proved he was worth more than the playing time he was getting. Jalen Brown is one of the two stars of the team. You can't give him any more opportunity than you're already giving him. You're, you're already putting the hands of, or, or the the, the fate of the franchise into his hands with you know, Jason Tatum. Um, so, you know, th- there's no additional uh, opportunity that he's going to be looking for. He may want a little bit more of the spotlight. Uh, he may want to be recognized as, as more of a star. Um, but, you know, the, the way to go about that with when you have every opportunity that he has is to go out and be a star. I mean, if you want to show that you're worth everything, um, Go prove it. I mean, there's going to be a, a. It's not like Jason Tatum is um, hogging the ball. He's he, he's not. He doesn't have the the usage rate of a of a Doncic or a Harden or anything like that. He's he's willing to share the ball. And in fact, one of the the things he was praised for last year was his ability to 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 play make and get the ball out of his hands um, and over to and you know Jalen's working on that as well. I think he's already seen how much of a benefit that is and. Um, yes, he has some turnover issues in, in the playoffs, but so does everybody. And, and when your usage rate goes up, it, it, that that tends to go up. You know, I think perhaps you know assist to turnover ratio is sometimes a little bit overused. Um, I think you know, with greater responsibility comes greater room for error. You know, there's going to be an ability to he, he's got to do a better job taking care of the ball, certainly. Um, but you know, I don't put it all at his feet either. He needs good people to pass to. He needs a, a, an offensive system that's going to accentuate that. He needs, um, you know, everything has to come together. So um, getting back to, you know, one of the points, you know, the whole Kevin Durant thing, you know, I, I've wrote about this a couple of times. It's basically like as soon as I saw it happen, like, you know, the, the Kevin Durant, you know, trade request, it, my eyes started rolling like because I, I knew it was going to come back to the Celtics. And when I got that, the, the, the Woj bomb in the middle of the night, um, it, it, I just sort of laughed and, and rolled over and went back to bed <laughs> because, you know, I, I knew eventually the Celtics were going to come up. And it's just annoying to me, honestly, because I, 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 I don't really see it as being realistic enough. I mean, I, I guess it's enough to, to, fit, to fill the blog pages and, and to give us something to talk about for a, for a month or so. But uh, it's just kind of an. Um, I, I guess what I'm what I'm working my way around to saying is that you know I, I get it, and I understand why we have these conversations, and I understand why you know um, Brad Stevens would would have to make that call and would have to say, hey, you know, let's let's here's our best offer, you know, take it or leave it, or or we can talk more. But I'm kind of rooting for it not to happen. <laughs> you know, I want to see this group. You know. I want to see this group take the next logical step together the way they, 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 they showed they could last year. I want to see them, you know, build upon the success that they've had and not take what I would, you know, kind of categorize as kind of a shortcut, you know, and, you know, other people would push back rightly. So that, Hey, no, no championship is guaranteed. So if you can get a better chance at getting it next year, do that, do whatever you have to do to get that championship and never, never apologize for that. And I get that. Um, but I, I kind of want to have, you know, four or five, six more bites at the apple, assuming we can sign, you know, Jalen Brown and, and J- Jason Tatum for the long term. And 
depending on how the next, you know, collective bargaining agreement works out and depending on how uh, things play out, I think we've got as good a chance as anybody, um, you know, and I, I'm not inside Jalen Brown's head. I don't know what his plans are for his, for his free agency. I, I know he's probably going to want to at least, you know, entertain the thought of, of going either back home to Atlanta or to, to, to Dallas or some other team, Memphis, some that there's other locations that could, to, could serve Jalen Brown and, and further his brand. But at the same time, I think, you know, it, as long as there's no big changes to the to the CBA, I, I would imagine the Celtics are going to have the ability to pay him the most and and pay him, you know, to to stay. And so it's going to behoove him to take that 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 contract, provided he's happy here. So you know, it, it comes back to if if everyone wants to be happy, if Jalen Brown wants to be happy, if the Celtics want to be happy, put Jalen Brown in position to be the best Jalen Brown he can be put the Celtics in position to compete for championships. Oh, and by the way, pay them the most money. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward formula and it's what everybody wants anyways. So um, I'm not too worried about him, him bolting in, in, in a couple of years. Um, and if it, and if he does, that's, you know, that's unfortunate, but you know, in a couple of years, you know, Kevin Durant could be, you know, old and broken down at that point too. So there's, there's inherent risk and, and reward on either side. So, um, you know, where I come down on it, uh, again, I understand why you have to have these conversations. These are, you know, a world, you know, an all-time great like Kevin Durant is available. So we have to have that conversation. Um, and if Jalen Brown's feelings are hurt by that, then, you know, I get it. I understand where you're, where you're coming from. But at the same time, you know, understand he and he already does. He already understands that this is a, a business. He understands the, the the game and how it's played. None of this is going to be a surprise to him. He's a very intelligent guy. Um, so, you know, even though it, it might sting a little bit, you know, so does losing the finals. You know, use that use that as motivation. Use that to, to push your career forward and show everybody, hey, you know, it's a good thing we didn't trade for Kevin Durant. You know. I'm moving on from the KD just so, just so um just for my two cents there. My the only right way I trade Jalen Brown is if I if I truly believe he's not coming back in two years. Now the best thing for me is if Jalen Brown makes an All NBA team this year or next year, super max money is enough to make anybody stay because yeah. no one's walking away from two hundred plus million dollars unless they've already got a billion dollars at that point that's pocket change uh the, la the last thing i kind of wanted to hit on and i've tried to structure this so one leads into the other is we spoke about kevin durant we spoke about the possibility of Jalen brown being disgruntled we know that you've mentioned they've added brogdon they've added gallinari but there's still some open roster spots available jay king who is exceptional at what he does uh, released an article today basically reporting I'd, I'd say it was a report uh, where he was pointing out there that the Celtics are basically open holding open tryouts first or an open gym audition during training camp and open I use loosely because they're inviting guys you know it's going to be I'm I'm going to include the two-way dudes here so it's going to be Kevin Jelle it's going to be JD Davison then you're going to have Van Lee, Caboclo 
And then I think the other two names he put in there were, off the top of my head, if I remember correctly, it was, and I'm drawing a blank, Justin Jackson and Broderick Thomas. Nice job. <laughs> and you had to pronounce all those names too. Good job. <laughs> it's, a, it's been a process. It's been a process. <laughs> the one thing that stuck out from what Jay King wrote for me was that the Celtics were very um, hell-bent on picking up young guys that still had some form of upside because there are veterans on the market. You can go and pick up a Hassan Whiteside or a Dwight Howard mm-hmm. right now for a vet minimum, and you filled that need. But these guys, especially got someone like Cabin Jelle, who's multidimensional on both sides of the floor, Justin Jackson that can give you a little bit athletically as well as rim pressure and whatever else. They're, they're looking for these upside swings from your standpoint and with how young the team is and how deep they are, is this the right decision or should they just be looking for veterans where they don't need to be worried about player development as much for guys that won't be getting many minutes? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, my sidestep answer is it depends, right? (laughs) It depends on who's available and, and what year it is. You know, it does seem on a big picture perspective that it's kind of swung one way and the other, right? Um, you know, you, you have on one hand, um, we, we complained that you, that, that the management wasn't putting enough attention on guys that like the, um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, the, the, the shooter that in Miami, um, that was giving us headaches. Struce. Struce, that's right. Um, so we weren't given, we weren't finding those diamond in the roughs, and we weren't giving, you know, t- rolling the dice on guys like that enough. Or if we were, we, they were succeeding there and then going elsewhere to to, to succeed. Um, and then, kind of last year, we we sort of invested more in those guys and, and found a whole bunch of you know names and people and and you know second draft guys and stuff like that. And then. You know, all they did was fill out the bench and and, and celebrate really uh, hilariously, which is great. Um, but at the same time, then you don't have a veteran down there you can call upon when you when you're 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 deep in your um, you know injury luck. So uh, there there's got to be a balance, right? So um, I will say that I'm encouraged by the, the the reports that the Celtics are really high on Sam Hauser. They're high on you know what Luke Cornett can actually do. Um, and it makes me feel a little bit better about, you know, lumping those guys in with the with the 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 role of the dice guy. So, um, yes, there's going to be some guys that you, you you bring in and say, OK, we don't know if this guy's going to pan out, but, you know, why not? You know, I say second draft guys. It, it seems like the Celtics have been more focused on like third draft guys <laughs> like a. Um, so it's guys that have even been out of the league for a couple of years coming back into the league, you know. Um, but you know, there, there was once talent there and there's a the guys put a lot of work into their, into their game. So maybe you're looking for the next, um, Wanamaker type of person who's, who's came back and made a solid career out of his, his career. So, you know, it's a mix. Um, obviously if they had an opportunity to give, you know, a minimum deal to someone like, um, uh, Noel, then, you know, they, they jump at that opportunity, but, that that op- that opportunity wasn't there, so let's roll the dice with Cornet and, and see see where we go from there. Same thing with the you know Vonley and all and all these guys, you know, throw enough of them at the at the board and see if any of them stick, and if they don't, you know, no no skin off our nose. Um, and you know, I'll put this out there too: is like you know, you can always wave one of those guys down the line if someone else becomes available. Um, if they want to use a uh, one of their t- their smaller TPEs uh, in in 
three or four months because someone became available that you, you was previously not available to you, then you, you know you wave one of the guys at the end of the bench, make room for them. So, um, you know, that's, that's an option too. So I don't have any particular, you know, issue against it. You know, I love the fact that every, uh, every September and October, we, we spend about, you know, we spend weeks and, and sometimes months arguing over who the last three guys on the, on the, on the roster should be. And they, they end up spending about, you know, five minutes on the court all, all, all year. So, um, it, on some level, it doesn't, doesn't even matter, but, um, you know, let's see how, how it plays out. I like the idea of, of the, the camp competition. It keeps things fresh and it keeps, you know, the, the, the veterans, um, you know, it gives them a, a, a fresh um, set of faces to, to, to work with too. So you answered my next question during your answer to that question with the TPE and the waivers. I was going to say, do you believe they might, like I'm of the belief that they might keep a roster spot open simply so they don't when they wave somebody they don't have to worry about any dead cap already being over so that was my mentality coming in but you are right you know you can have non-guaranteed guys you can have very small partial guarantees where it's minimal issues if you do wave somebody to pick somebody else up if you see them as an upgrade so you've answered my entire off-season question (laughs) and we've got i'll also point out too like you know the you know once you're paying the tax, which are going to be, you know, a, a few hundred bucks here, a few hundred bucks there. I mean, granted, you know, Rick might not agree with me, but you know, I, I don't see the, it's not that big of a deal to, to, to wave a guy and, and eat a salary in order to go get another guy, especially if you're already going to be paying, you know, five, $10 million and plus whatever the cap hit is for that guy. So, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is that they have a chance to continue making moves down the line and if someone gets hurt, especially, that's the other thing too, is you have the flexibility that, you know, Hey, if all of a sudden, you know, one of our bigs, you know, goes out, you know, for, for several months or something like that, then that puts an even, you know, bigger emphasis on, you know, let's go get another big, that type of deal. So that's sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, it's fine. I was saying, you know, um, you've gone through my entire end of season and preseason questionnaire. We've got a few minutes left. So I'm just going to do some random question. Keep you on your toes. It's going to be non-basketball related. And okay. my first one is I can see you've got a ton of books behind you. A ton. <laughs> uh, left, right, up, down. Read. Which one's your favorite? And what start, What are they? Are you more of a non-fiction guy, a fiction guy, a life, uh, true crime? What, what's your jam? <laughs> I, I, I'm mostly into classics. Um, I'm a big Shakespeare fan. I, I love... You know, for my my wife makes fun of me because I bring like Hemingway to the to the beach with me. And she's like, "How can you even get into that?" You know, and I just love it. Uh, um, and in fact, I I read um, a movable feast uh, this over my vacation this last time, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, in part because it taught me about I'm a, I'm a sucker for stories about writers because they're obviously writing about something they're passionate about, and this is essentially a Hemingway when he was a young writer. Um, you know, which a lot of us can can associate with, and and and, um, and the two takeaways I got from that book were um, Hemingway lived his life, like he 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 did so much stuff. Like you think about him, he you think about him, he's, he's the tough guy, he's a bullfighter, he's a boxer, and stuff like that. But he did everything, like skiing, and um, and I, I'm blanking on the other stuff that he did, but like, and he's like you know, hung out with other people of, of like minds and, and listened to people and, and 
you know, picked at their brains and he was just a, a sponge. And that's how he was able to put things to paper so so vividly and so so articulately. Is I mean, obviously he had a gift, but you know, he didn't stop living his life, you know. Um, and then also like he was a a passionate reader. You know, I, I always, you know, tell anybody who's asking me for advice and and I feel like the old guy in the room, but like it's like, you know, you want to know how to write better, read a lot tons and tons and tons of books and grab everything, everything from documentaries to, to, to fiction and to, to science fiction, to mysteries, whatever, you know, soak up as much information as possible because then it's going to kind of, kind of through osmosis, it's just going to come out of you. Eventually you get it. You, you put out what you put in, in into your, into your soul, if you will. So um, lately, I've been kind of getting back to your, your books question. You know, I've, I've been into some science fiction and some fantasy stuff. Um, it, it's it, just never stop reading is, 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 is what I'd say. So I, I used to read a bit. And now uh, with studies and work and stuff, reading is strictly an aeroplane experience. Uh, but I've got about four different books lined up for the, for my vacation. So I'm going to be, nice. and they're mainly basketball stuff. You know, I've got a uh, Miriam Fader, Janice. I'm going to go through that. I've got Jake Fisher's built to lose to go through. Then I've got confessions of a hitman, which just seems wild. So I need to read that next one I've got for you. And we'll wrap up on this. I know that we were just saying, I was talking to you off air about, you know, you've just been on vacation and my response to where you went was, you always go to these really cool places. And I don't know if they seem cool to me because they're further removed. So they're just more exotic. And, but judging by what I know where you've been so far and the fact that you've probably been traveling for a long time, what would you say is your favorite destination you visited on vacation? Oh, wow. Um, I have like five different answers for you and all for different things. And I'm going to, it's because I'm difficult, obviously. Um, for pure scenery, I don't think you can top, you know, um, Hawaii, which is where I just was. It's just, uh, and especially the island of Kauai, where literally everywhere you look, there's either a mountain or a beach, and it's it's just picturesque. It's beautiful. It's it's green all the time because it, you know, there's just enough uh, rain to keep the vegetation going all the time. Just just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, from a you know, culture perspective, you know, I, I loved going to Ireland um, one time that with, my, with my friends. And so it was just like, you know, and again, growing up somewhere near Boston, it, it kind of felt like home to me because it was like, you know, rough around the edges, heart of gold people, you know, they, it, once you get past the, the, the gruff exterior, they're just open up their entire lives to you and invite you into their home. And it's just, um, I love that attitude. I love love the the, the feeling that that I got going there. Um, also loved the, you know touring around the the mountains of of Scotland and it's just you know just beautiful um, scenery, great people, um, you know. And you know I, I obviously love the Caribbean and, and you know kicking back down there. Um, you know I, I've never been one to like kind of go across country, but it's some someday I'd like to go visit the, the West coast a little bit more too. So get the RV, rent an RV and go driving. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, you- I, I don't think I can handle the, the, the deep in the middle of, of uh, Indiana and one corn row after another. So it's the, uh, it's the turning the wrong corner and they're just being a big twister coming at you that you didn't know was there. <laughs> that would be my problem. You did it right though. You went to the, you went to technically the UK 
but you yeah. went to the places that are nice and avoided the England part, which was <laughs> not nice. And so you did a really good job there. Like kudos, uh, Ireland's awesome. Scotland is a, uh, it's super scenic. It's just never dry. It rains yeah. more than it's like I imagine it's like Europe, Seattle. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, right? Because sure. <laughs> lots of water, lots of scenery, but it's just wet all the time. Well, I mean, that's why it's green too. So, I mean, well, yeah. And the other thing too, that I was going to say, like, I want to go, we were planning on going on a Mediterranean cruise a couple of years ago for our 15th anniversary, my wife and I, but then COVID hit and I was like, mm-hmm. nope. Last thing I want to do is be on a cruise ship right now. <laughs> yeah, forget that. My um, my wife's mum likes to do the the Mediterranean one, like the Caribbean one. So you you start off at like Saint Lucia, you do Antigua, Jamaica, and you work your way across all those islands. And she says it's amazing. But my problem is because I don't know how to swim. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, Jimmy Butler's got that funny quote of saying that's hood tendencies. I'm like, um, you, I I can't feel like mentally prepare myself to pay thousands and thousands to be on a on a boat when if anything went wrong and the shore was in sight i'd probably still die and so <laughs> I've, I've got to figure a way to either learn to swim or never go on a cruise now learn I know, to swim, man. Gotta learn. i know i can't fly and i get on a plane but you know we have to we have to draw the line somewhere all right you do you man <laughs> that was just to kill that five minutes i promised you we'd keep it to 30 um it's all good Everybody, you, everyone knows who you are. If they're listening on this feed, then the feed exists because of what you've built. But if they don't know who you are, then they're absolutely wild and I don't understand. But jokes aside, thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's always fun when the blog father comes through. So uh, I'm sure everyone's going to be enjoying it. And everyone, it. we'll still be back on Friday. We'll be back to, a, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll be back on Friday. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, man, I'm glad you got back safe. I really appreciate your time, buddy. All right, thanks, brother. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all attesting my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrate.